Howdy folks, welcome to Camera Shake, where we bring you the insider scoop on all things photography and videography, giving you a unique opportunity to stay ahead of the curve. We spent literally hundreds of hours interviewing some of the most renowned photographers of our time, giving you access to knowledge and expertise that's not available anywhere else. As ever, I'm your host, Kirsten Nuts, and in today's episode, you're going to learn how to kickstart your business, create your own unique style, and everything there is to know about hand-painted backdrops. So buckle up, grab a cold one, let's shake it up with today's award-winning guest right after this. Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 141. With today's special guest, the award-winning Manchester-based, or Wigan-based, I should say, uh, photographer at the brains behind hand-painted backdrops and owner of SK Photo Art, the business mastermind that is none other than Slavomir Kondratovic. I hope I've pronounced your name right. You did great. Thank you very much. Right, Slav, how are you today? You good? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for asking. And thank you for having me on this uh... Uh, podcast. So yeah, it will be really interesting talk, I think. Absolutely. Uh, Hand-painted backdrops are um, a really interesting subject in any event. And for those, for those of you viewers who can, who can watch this um, on YouTube, <laughs> uh, and actually that being said, if you are listening to the audio version of this, of course, remember that there is a fully fleshed, fully technical version over on YouTube. Um, but if you are watching on YouTube, you might notice um, Slab's perfectly color-coordinated um, image. The, your backdrops look phenomenal. Thank you. How did you first get into creating your own hand-painted backdrops? Well, when I started photography studio in about 2016, I think, um, uh, I start developing this style where it's like a painterly style. It's like, a, you know, the, the, the dark hand-painted backdrops. I still, up to now, uh, I still like those dark images. It's my style. So, and I've been looking for them for the nice hand-painted backdrop, which which can show um, something more than the paper. Paper for me is very boring. Um, and vinyl, uh, it's um, reflecting the light, and uh, I I, I kind of I did not feel this, you know, vinyl and uh, and paper. So I decided to buy some hand-painted backdrops. I call a couple of reputable companies. Uh, in Europe, and um, they they kind of don't provide a great service. So they um, on the phone they have not been polite to me. Uh, they don't listen to me. They don't listen to my requests. Uh, Wave was very quick to take my money, though. But obviously, in the, for obvious reason, I did not go with them and i decided to try myself and i start painting those backdrops you know and um one by one one by one i start improving myself every time and um in um in some time uh, people start asking me photographers start asking me slav can you paint those backdrop fools and uh, i start painting little by little like you know maybe one or two a month it was like a more side hustle for the photography and I had a little bit of the background jobs as well, which is great. Uh, photographers love those backdrops. Obviously, when I look now for those backdrops, it's like, mm, why do I sold them? You know, at all. They they know been great. Now I improved, and uh, my backdrops look completely different. But um, people been liking those backdrops. People been buying. We've been recommending to other photographers. And uh, on when COVID hit us. We did not have um, much uh, photography jobs, so I started pushing my backdrop side, and from there it started growing. So now I um, a full-time backdrop painter and occasionally a photographer. <laughs> Fantastic! How did, how did you um, how did you get the knowledge? I mean, how, how did you figure out how to create um, your hand-painted backdrops? Um, I've been. Um, Checking all the um, good painters, hand-painted backdrops, um, masters, and uh, trying to learn from from images, from uh, 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 what we do, maybe in reels and stuff like this. And I develop my own technique. I don't know if uh, anybody painting in similar technique when I uh, how how I paint. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I think I developed something unique to me. I'm not sure if many, uh, I well, probably some some handmade painted backdrops uh, mastered painting very similar technique because it's not like a rocket science. Uh, but I think I find my style myself. So I did not go for the courses and stuff like this till I till I learned. When I learned how to paint and I've been happy enough for what I'm doing, I've been on the, one of the courses, how to paint the backdrop, and I just get from there a couple of nuggets how to paint. It's, it's, it's just a very, very slight improvement, but obviously this course helped me to, 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 to pinpoint some things what I've been doing wrong and get some ideas how to do those better. And uh, that's all, you know, I 99% uh, of uh, what I do, it comes from my uh, heart and brain and soul. Did you um, did you look at it from a photographer's point of view? I mean, I'm guessing that's what you did, uh, where, you, where you kind of thought, well, okay, you know, I'm using this hand-painted backdrop, but it, wouldn't it be cool if it could be done a little bit differently? Yeah. Um... Basically, I've been painting and I always painting the backdrops for stock uh, like I would paint for myself. So for my photography style, I don't like really uh, um, a lot of texture on the backdrop because it's not my style. But if customers requesting to paint the custom backdrop with uh, um, some texture, uh, I do this. Yeah, no problem. But uh, if I painting the um, stock, if you go to my website, you will see most of them. Very soft texture uh, is some vignetting, and it's uh, most most of them have the uh, center of the backdrop slightly um, slightly brighter. So that's that's how I photographing. That's how what, what, what I like. And by the way, also you probably will notice uh, most of those backdrops are dark. So because I'm a dark shooter. I tried a few times to, to photograph in the, um, lighter images. They okay, but customers like it, but it's not for me. It's not my style. And uh, yeah, I think when I painting the backdrop, I see this backdrop, how it will perform on the image. But obviously I see through the my perspective as a me photographer. Every photographer is slightly different, and uh, every photographer see the um, finished image differently. But because I'm a photographer, I can relate to this and paint to with photography in mind. So let's talk about different types of backdrops because I'm guessing uh, for you know for a lot of our listeners and viewers who may who may never have used a, um, a hand painted backdrop. Uh, what's the main difference between, let's say, you know, a paper backdrop, um, a fabric backdrop, and uh, vinyl, and and something like a hand painted backdrop? So, um, if we start talking about uh, uh, difference between the, um, the these backdrops, um, the main difference is um, exclusivity. The hand painted backdrop. It's only one of the kind, so you can see Burgundy Red behind me. And if you ask me to paint exactly the same, I would say no. I can paint similar, but not the same. But if you buy anything printed on vinyl, uh, painted muslin, um, or printed muslin, or something like this, you know, is um, uh, or paper, especially just normal color uh, colorama paper. Tom from the around the corner photographer can take exactly the same color and produce exactly the same image as you do. So it's uh, it's not kind of uh, the, the every backdrop where I paint is different and it's exclusive only to this photographer who is on this backdrop. So that's the main difference. If we uh, look, for example, for example, uh, vinyl. This um, hand painted, 
those gonna be vinyl usually reflects the um, uh, light and it does not look professional um, hand painted backdrop also have no idea why it feels um, like you have some depth which you can't get with any other material so you see backdrops behind me and you can see it's like um depth in color you know i mean you you can't explain why it's happening it's happening only on canvas uh, muslin backdrops in some cases they are okay if you want to travel light with large muslin backdrop here we go you can do that but make sure you carry good um uh, what is it called um you you will uh, you will cut that off isn't it <laughs> yes, um, what is it called um, um to to get the wrinkles off oh like an iron <clears throat> oh, a steamer yeah steamer make sure make sure you're carrying good steamer because you will need that and it's a, it's a nightmare to get those wrinkles out and put the muslin like is um like it looks to to look naturally you know and stretched and stuff like this so that's that's main main uh, um differences between between the backdrops yeah i mean it's i have i have a number of gripes with with paper and uh, muslin backdrops and your pa my paper backdrops tend to um like they tend to kind of show some some sort of texture like they create they kind of crumble a little bit um and you can see where where it's been rolled up so it really means you know i have to spend quite a lot of time in photoshop afterwards and like you know fixing all these 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 little imperfections and it's it's highly annoyed um and uh you know my my fabric uh, muslin backdrops it's you're, you're right it's it's a nightmare to make them to smooth them out and to even them out you know I, what i tend to do is i stretch them across the across the stand so you, you could crossbar on the top and then the two stands and so i basically clamp the sides onto the stand so i stretch the whole thing out um but what i tend to do is you know i tend to set up if i know i have a shoot the following day i set up the evening before so that it can hang overnight and then you know it most of most of the folds will sort of sew themselves up but it's a pain in the neck you know it just means yeah don't get me wrong the canvas backdrops creases and um uh, can get those wrinkles as well you know uh, but the hand painted backdrop, when it's crease and when it get um, uh, weathered, it look even better. When it's paper, is not, isn't it? Yeah, with paper, it just starts to look tatty, and it's Man. it's it's a you know it's forever battle. You know that's the thing. It's I think you know what I love about hand painted backdrops just generally is is the fact that they are by the very nature, you know they have this sort of this sort of patchy you know almost like three-dimensional look yeah that's what i've been trying to say isn't it it's kind of yeah it's kind of this depth in them which you cannot explain why it's happening but it's happening yeah and of course it's you know you mentioned uh, you mentioned this you know the photographic style or you described it as painterly earlier and that really works i think it's a really great description because of course you know paintings are painted on on the same sort of material as as the backdrops and so it, it all works together and so that's it's almost like a it's a like a classic look that we're almost used to by you know looking at at these old masters type of paintings yeah there's another thing you mentioned earlier is the fact that every every backdrop is unique um and of course that's that's a part of the the manufacturing process i guess which is just just really no because all handmade there's literally no way of making two backdrops even if it's the exact same color there's literally no way of making them look identical that's right even if i painting sometimes i'm painting two backdrops uh same color same day on the same floor now same exactly the same they will be slightly different then because uh while you painted one layer you're painting another backdrop same layer now coming back to this backdrop this layer dried and this backdrop layer will be dried even more when you 
till you come back from this backdrop to this backdrop. And uh, that means they will, uh, the colors in the layers mixed will be different, different ratio because they will be drier. So, and that's it, you know, um, same day, same slough, same backdrops, same rollers, uh, completely different look. Yeah, I, I take it, I mean, I guess the uh, the canvas will, you know, pick up the, the paint slightly differently in different places as well. So it's it's just really no way you can have any control over that. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's true. It uh, depends how wet the canvas it's, it's, it is, you know, at this moment. And uh, it, yeah, it's it just, even even not just the canvas, even the roller, isn't it? If it uh, depends how much paint you will get on the roller every time you're taking it on the canvas. So how do you broadly judge the sort of colors? Because I know you've got um, some, I'd say, like standard versions of the backdrops, uh, sort of a, a standard, you know, color palette. Um, how do you how do you get them as close as possible um, to the standard ones? I try to use um, similar colors, but I I don't try to get them as close as possible. That's the idea. They're unique, <laughs> right? So basically, they um, the customers were ordering from me the backdrops. They know we will get similar, but different. You know. So basically, if they all, if they want olive backdrop, I will ask them: Do we want in little bit darker, little bit lighter? Where are you heading to? So I want the direction from the photographer. So uh, if he want darker feel, I will go for darker. If you want lighter feel, I will go for lighter. In my stock images, you can see both this one and this one, you know, lighter and darker uh, styles just to, you know, uh, photographers can, can pick. So sometimes I'm painting uh, a little bit more saturated colors, sometimes a little bit, little bit more muted colors. And uh, that's, that's how I build my stock. But I don't try to make them same. Because that's the idea. They need to be, you know, individual, isn't it? What's the What's the most popular um, color? Um, olive, gray. Um, sometimes, um, uh, the people like uh, really like my pink ones. Oh right, okay. Why. Yeah, the pink ones goes very well. And there's uh, a photographer called David Shokri. He's using a lot of my backdrops. He's uh, even photographing them um, men on the pink backdrops and uh, look fantastic. So yeah, it's uh, e even like I said, yeah, even even men's been photographed on my pink backdrops and uh, they look cool. What are a few things um, people should look out for if if they if they're using a hand painted backdrop for the first time? It's very individual isn't it it's uh, it depends on their style i can't tell what we need to do the um i think what i trying in my photography i can tell i can tell you what i do um i trying to light my subject across the face not straight into the face so my lighting always in the side of of the subject and that, for some reason, when I keeping my subject about a half a meter to meter away from the backdrop, it's minimizing the shadows on the backdrop, and it's nicely lead the backdrop as well. But again, we're talking about the styles. We depends what um, what the photograph is for. If that will be a headshot. I will um, make the lighting differently. If that's the um, uh, woman in about 50 or 60 year old, I will light her differently. For the man, I will light him slightly different because I want more um, uh, dramatic lighting for the man. And uh, in the same um, in same terms, for the woman, I probably will uh, have a, a white reflector. And they're usually using those um, V-flats, massive ones, you know, to reflect nice and uh, um, soft light. 
and uh, same for the man i will probably have the black reflector uh, again i will try to control the light and bring it further down or closer to make sure the backdrop lit properly the one more thing what i usually do if the backdrop become too dark and it goes into the shadow and i can't see the backdrop texture and stuff like this so i try and because i have a very small studio i trying to um put a couple of lights maybe behind me and shoot just bare bulbs into the white wall and lead those shadows but those uh, those lights were just for the shadows just to bring the shadows up and make them uh, you know um, not fall to the darkness completely so you're just creating a little bit of fill light um it kind it's a of bounce yeah. light yeah yeah they're bouncing so it's it's like uh, uh so when I, the process is this when i when i'm uh, when i'm bouncing those lights i just switching off the key light so it's completely dark I'm bouncing those slides from the white wall, one or two, depends depends what, what what I want, how many, how much light I want, and I just look to make sure the blacks are slightly, uh, you know, above the zero, so the shadows are uh, lit. That's all I want, and then I switching up key light and balancing them slightly maybe together if i need to and that's my lighting so two free light setup for the normal portraits let me just say a quick thank you to our sponsor dve store dve store's mission is to help you create better video and provide you with the tools necessary to explore your creativity if you have any digital video equipment needs whether that's camera equipment audio gear or lighting and much more you can check them out at dvestore.com Thank you to DVE Store for the high-def video. And of course, you can find a link to DVE Store in the description. So it's, my setup is very, it's very similar, actually. It's, uh, my, my shooting space is also very small. Um, it's, it's small in terms of width, but it's relatively long because yeah. my shooting space sort of is an extension to the house and then there's my editing space and then there's the living room. So, you know, the space is relatively long, so I can't really bounce anything, like, you know, off of the wall behind me. But what I do is I have a big, um, like, six-foot softbox um, or octobox that I set up behind me and that just shoots sort of a minimum of light back into the scene so I can I can light everything up that way and you know since since my since the walls in my shooting space are all painted white I can utilize the the ceiling and the um, and the walls as well just to you know bounce some light out back into the it's scene same idea isn't it mm. yeah exactly same idea yeah it's just to lift the shadows up just a little bit so yeah. of losing you know blocking up the shadows and losing too much too much in there. Um, so, in terms of handling a hand-painted backdrop, um, what's you know what do people need to look out for uh, when it comes to hanging them or even storing them? Um, well, my hand-painted backdrops comes on aluminium cores, so aluminium pipes. Uh, smaller backdrops, like you, see, you can see behind me, uh, they comes on uh, a wooden um, core. So, uh, two. To put them easily on the stands, I, you might notice I have some fancy clumps. Those, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I selling those clumps too on my website, and uh, we call them Nickelini clumps. Um, you can buy the um, real version of them. They call Maffelini clumps. Um, they quite expensive, but very handy. They're not being designed to hold the backdrops. They're being designed to put the lights everywhere you want. But those um, lips, they quite good to hold the backdrop. So I have the assistant behind this backdrop and uh, this clamp. So I now behind me, it's a free assistant and free clamps. And all these free backdrops are uh, holding by by those clumps very easy to change the backdrop it takes uh, two minutes just to take it off roll it back <coughs> roll it back up and put another one uh, that's it you know the, so if you have a client you need to change the backdrops quickly that's the way to go um, if people buying 2.7 meter uh, backdrop width um, they can 
uh, use the, these bank drops on the uh, bank drop systems and keep them there. Uh, for the smaller ones, I uh, are shipping them in the cardboard tubes. So if the um, shipping companies will not destroy them completely, you can still <laughs> store in the <laughs> store in those in those tubes. Um, usually, if 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 the tubes are too much uh, for the photographers, maybe space issue or stuff like this, uh, I would always say um, put them. Um, you know, or what is it called? Standing. Make them stand. Don't um, lie them down because if you lie them, they will develop this um, kind of the, the lines. So when you when you unroll the backdrop, you can see those lines. So try not never never put them down on the floor. Stand them open somewhere in the corner. See, that's, um, that's one of the issues I actually have with one of a uh, sort of a medium grade paperback shop, and uh, it's you can see the lines exactly. Although, you know, I, I keep uh, storing it standing up, but I have a suspicion that when before it was shipped, it may have been, it may, it may have been stored flat. You know, so that's, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe your uh, studio is a little bit damp. Uh, could be, sometimes, yeah. So then, if if you're picking up the dampness and when heating kicks in. You know, it can uh, take the, this shape where it was. So it's, uh, in completely honesty, probably, if you will store in damp environment the hand-painted backdrop, it's going to be the same, you know. So it's not, the, the hand-painted backdrop, it's, it's very tough to destroy, but it's not, not destroyable, you know. <laughs> so you can't you can destroy it too, you know. And I, can tell, I can tell you one problem what comes with hand-painted backdrops too. Okay. Do you want to know? Do you oh, want to know? Absolutely. They become quite addicted, addictive, you know. <laughs> yeah, bet. Uh, I have oh, probably on top of my head about fifty percent of my clients buying multiple bank drops over the year time. Right. Because they uh, they want those um, choices when. Uh, comes with um, uh, colors and um, textures to match the outfits what the client bringing. So um, that's why I always saying to start from gray because it's um, really good for any outfit, pretty much from white to black, you know, and any color will suit you too. And also it takes uh, good um, color grading, you know, so you can get it colder or warmer, uh, which is uh, not the case, for example, with the red one. It, it would be quite hard to make it, you know, colder. It's always like more warmer color, isn't it? Um, so uh, that's that's exactly the reason why people are buying multiple backdrops over the year. They trying one, and they fell in love them with canvases, and they buying more and more and more and more because it it just it just that kind of addiction. They they can when you start photographing on the canvases, you cannot go back on the paper unless <laughs> clients unless clients requesting you you know for the paper for the clean backdrop. Yeah. It's just a very, um, it's a very distinctive style, and I think you know when when I look around, especially the headshot world or the headshot and portrait world, which is uh, sort of photographically the world that I'm in most of the time. Um, you know, there's some some photographers with very distinctive styles, like Ivan Weiss, for example, is a really good example. He's a, he's a great um, yeah uh, headshot photographer and portrait photographer based in London, um, and his his work is pretty much exclusively shot on on hand painted yeah. backdrops. I think, you know, so. It really, you know, it really adds to that style. Um, let's talk a little bit about different sizes because I know um, you you make backdrops in lots of different sizes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I starting from a very small hundred by hundred and thirty five, which is uh, good for the headshots or stacking something like this. When I, uh, you can see on the video here. Uh, so you can this actual backdrop behind me is 122 by 180, so four by six. 
uh, it's slightly wider in about 12 centimeter wider and uh, it's uh, longer but if i would have only small one extra small i would use extra extra small here as well with no problem so yeah the next size is this four by six when i um, have a six by nine which is um, good for depends on lens you will be using you know but it's good for almost full full length photography for one or two people uh, but i would probably use um, 7200 and somewhere in between you know the focal length for that and you need to be quite far away for to fit full uh, full length probably about 85 mil i think is yeah just usual portrait photography lens isn't it in focal length and uh, then i have a 9 by 9 which is 270 by 270 centimeter and then it going um only with length so i'm making up to 4.3 meters um sometimes people like the sweeping you know backdrop i personally don't many photographers do so that's for for this purpose the longer backdrops in my studio longest backdrop i use it 2.7 which is just go into the floor and that's it because i like a uh, hard definition between floor and uh, wall so i see the proper perspective like you know where where is the floor and where is the wall so where the client standing because i usually see uh especially on the paper or on uh, um uh, what is it called teclorama and yeah. if it's uh, light and from all sizes it's just become no shadows underneath the person and you don't understand where the person is in perspective or is it flying or is it glued into the wall or is it on the floor so that's why i don't like those sweeping backdrops so uh, i always trying to convince uh, photographers not to use this you know use something for the floor even laminate flooring maybe um, vinyl flooring maybe another backdrop as well but make this straight line between the backdrop and floor to make sure there is a perspective there you know and of course they work really well in corners as well that's the other thing and that I, yeah. that I really like yeah the, the photographers using in the corners and also stacking like this which is um creating the perspective and creating them uh, especially when you have a small studio uh, stacking backdrops and even um, creasing them uh, slightly and uh, maybe stacking them into the perspective into the camera uh, give the illusion for the viewer it's the biggest space is bigger you can create the space with the textures yeah. on the backdrop it's also i like it when um when when backdrops are uh, kind of layered a little bit you know so they're, they're kind of almost like you know laid up against each other and you get that sort of almost behind the scenes feel where you can actually see some of the some of the stands and the floor and everything else it just gives it that really um that kind of classic hollywood look i think that's mm. how i always imagine it they're pretty much like you see now isn't it exactly that's absolutely the free backdrops isn't it exactly yeah yeah it's um you know it always reminds me of old imagery from like the 1920s and 1930s like old hollywood right. you know when he, when he um sees the behind the scenes images of you know uh, i don't know like old uh, hollywood productions you know you could see all the, the lighting stands and the lights potentially in the in the frame as well you know plus and the same same vanity fair annie lebovitz absolutely yeah yeah, yeah absolutely correct yeah. yeah that's that's a great look to to go for um so how do you how do you determine the right amount of texture for for a backdrop? Oh, that's the tough one, because uh, when photographers buying the backdrops, they don't think about one aspect as a depth of field, you know. And they asking me often, uh, that's what we see on other photographers' work. So, for example, we say Slav. I want a backdrop which is um, very soft texture 
it's almost invisible texture it's soft and creamy you know i ask him what kind of lens do you use how far your customer model from the backdrop usually standing how far you are standing from to the you know to the uh, in, in relationship for the backdrop customer model talent whatever we call it, isn't it and the camera what is the distance and what f-stop do you using because if you like this look of almost invisible texture like you probably see now on my on my backdrops and you're using 1.2 1.4 1.8 and i will paint you very low texture that will become just colorful wall no texture will be existed there because your depth of field just will blur everything off so i always asking what kind of stop you're using what lens do you use and what the distances is between the customer talent your camera and backdrop because that's how that's you that will determine uh, how blurry backdrop will become if they're using f10 f11 f16 that makes sense i will paint very very low texture if we're using low well, uh, very wide open aperture that's it i can't paint this i need to paint more texture to let them blur this out of the lens it, it makes it makes perfect sense but i think most people probably don't don't consider that when they you know when they first look at hand painted backdrops that's that's the thing we we always considering this outside when we're shooting you know uh, and we always see this through the lens and on the images but when it comes to the studio photography for some reason this not bringing it to the consideration no idea why but when people buying the backdrop and asking me some questions and when i come to this part when i'm talking about the f-stop we always 90 90 percent of the people surprised even professional photographers that really oh yeah so it's yeah it's making perfectly perfect sense but i did not think about this you know for some reason we don't no idea why this is where we interrupt our regularly scheduled programming for a new segment that we call what is dave up to now where we follow dave williams and his latest adventures do not hello camera shake podcast it's me dave williams i'm in norway still in norway and in fact i'm gonna break some news soon and you're gonna see a lot more of me in norway firstly i apologize for the noise it's the sound of my heater um there's a massive massive storm it's it's basically a hurricane rolling through winds are gusting at 90 miles per hour and they have been all day uh with crazy wind and my skylight just here there is leaking so i've got my heating crank to 30 degrees to dry everything out and then i'm going to fix it but i need to wait for a gap in the wind anyway that's not the point the point i want to make to you today is bad weather i have been out in this hurricane taking photos because bad weather makes for great photos usually when a storm passes through just after the storm we'll get a break in the light but the clouds are still hanging around we've got really dramatic moody skies choppy seas epic landscapes bad weather makes for great photos that is what i want to leave you with today but right now i gotta go fix that skylight thanks very much see you next time that's really that's really great advice. Slav, let's talk a little bit about the business side of things because um, one of the one of the things that I got from, especially from some of your YouTube videos, is you know is um, your knowledge of the sort of business and marketing side of things. So when you first, I think you mentioned at the beginning, you during lockdown, um, when for most of us photographers, you know, business wasn't exactly at its height, um, you decided to to branch out more into the uh, into the backdrop business. What was your first sort of step in, in that marketing your business at the time? Well, I start show my work in the, in the, um, uh, in the Facebook and Instagram, isn't it? And sharing this work into, into the photography community. Um, also, I, uh, I start producing more backdrops because the COVID 
cannot restrict me to go to the, my studio alone and paint the backdrop, isn't it? I drive in my car, I'm alone in the car, I'm coming to the studio, I can paint the backdrop completely alone, and I come back home. So it's no, no restrictions for this. If I can't work from home, I have to go to the workplace, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I start painting more backdrops and I start showing those backdrops to the photography community. And um, uh, at the time, uh, COVID made something uh, very interesting in the people's minds. They had money because government gave those money, but we could not spend those money on a holiday or something like this. So the people been spending on home improvements and gear as well uh, because china stopped and canon was not produced <laughs> i've been lucky enough <laughs> to have to have this opportunity to sell the, to the customers and customers photographers was building those backdrops on covid time uh, while we had this desire to spend money um, and uh, they know we will come on the other side anyway. So we've been investing in those backdrops and learning how to work with them while we locked at home. It makes perfect sense, <laughs> you know, because they can try with family and improve their art, what we do with actual backdrop and build those sets and bring those those sets into the studio when we're ready to invite the clients again. So that that is my start. But uh, yeah, it's um, often people asking me how long it takes to paint the backdrop. The really to paint the backdrop, it's not that long. It's not take too long. The longest time is a drying time not the painting time, but um, when you know how. So when you develop your system, when you when you um, um, wasted hundreds of meters of the backdrops, you know, uh, canvas and paint, and when you know how, it does not take a very long time to paint. And it does not, it's, it's, it's just drying time. But the another thing, to sell those backdrops. That's where the time is. I can sit all day and uh, um, do something in um, um, admin stuff, don't create any backdrops, and maybe don't sell any backdrops, but those two, what I'm doing now, it's like a delayed gratification. They will bring something later on when I will sell. I could be um, in my studio, not painting the backdrop, sitting on the computer and doing, doing, doing some work like I'm uh, creating the content, creating the images, retouching those images, contacting the photographers, uh, because I'm alone in my studio, nobody helping me. So I do everything from painting the backdrops to uh, customer service to sales. Uh, to payment management, to everything, all everything what you need to do in the business, that's what I do. So it takes a lot of time. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if I'm a very good businessman, but I try my best and uh, I survived, uh, no, a couple of weeks ago, I survived one year, full year in business um, without working full time somewhere. So it's com completely only and only my income now. Right. Well, just got to show you know, when you're creating a really top-notch product, you know it'll, um, you know, people people will buy into it. Um, so, can I can I stop can I stop you sure. there and say something about the top-notch product? Yeah. Even even you growing the best carrots in the world, if nobody know about those carrots. It's it's no point, isn't it? No, so that's where, where the marketing comes. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean that's the thing. You know, it's the thing about marketing. Um, there was early on in my photography career, um, I had sort of a, an, an eye-opening conversation with a friend of mine um, who was a 
she's a business consultant basically and she just she's actually just set herself up as a um standalone you know a business consultant so she set up her own practice and um and it's very early days and i remember we you know we, we knew each other from from the music industry before and so you know we were chatting and you know she said uh, oh you know, I ask her like, "How's it going? You know, how, how are you finding? Are you finding it being on your own and stuff?" And she goes, "Yeah, it's, you know, it's tricky at the moment because I'm, you know, I'm trying to land more. I need more clients, um, but I don't have many clients at the moment." And I said to her, "Oh yeah, that's you know, that's frustrating. I can, you know, I I can sympathize from a photography point of view." And I said, "So what are you doing?" And she goes, "Like, well, I'm spending a lot of time marketing. So since I'm not actually servicing clients at the moment, I can make I can make use of that time and market my services." And I thought, well, that's, you know, that's an important thing to remember because rather than just sitting around waiting for people to ring your doorbell or give you a phone call, you know, you actually need to be proactive in marketing your product in order to bring it out in front of, in front of eyeballs, so to say. Yes. Yes. And also, um, you're, you're completely right. Um, don't stop marketing because the, sometimes people also marketing um, in the waves is like oh i will market this month and for next month they fully booked and they stop in marketing and next month we again stressing out because we don't have clients so you need to do marketing consistently and also don't be afraid to follow up on people if i would not follow up on the photographers who want my backdrops i would not make a 50 percent of my sales Oh, that absolutely. doesn't mean you sells it. The people just forgot about you. It's just not um, uh, this life just going on, you know, and something happens and they want your product. So don't think you become a salesy kind of person when you're following up. You're not. You're giving the favor. You're making the favor for the, for the, for the customer because you're reminding about what he forgot and he really needed this. Same with photography, you know, the, uh, the clients uh, today is want a fl uh, um, portrait taken, even the headshot for the business, but he become busy and he forgot about this, uh, about this business headshot. And the business headshot maybe uh, make him um, three, four, five times more money than he making now and make him less busy and create more time for uh, for being with his family or she's family, you know, and spend maybe more money on holiday. That's what we as a photographer is creating. It's not just a headshot. So don't be afraid to contact those people and remind them about yourself and remind them about the importance of the headshot. Um, so that's uh, that's a little bit on uh, on us, uh, you know, to, to be a little bit salesy. Absolutely, I mean, marketing, marketing is such a such an important thing, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, um, when it comes to managing your time and you know, putting in that that regular time for marketing. You know, whether that's something like whether you do something like Marketing Monday, you know, or whether you do something like um, I had a conversation with Joel Grimes um, a little while ago, and it's very interesting because he, you know, his his story goes um, he, you know, he the way he became successful was by just simply doing more marketing than any office any Man. of his competitors um, and he basically made it a thing like you know it was like the first hour of every day he just spent on the phone calling companies you know literally cold calling companies in the in the phone directory um, offering his services and then he had like a roller deck you know and he was uh, he would he would basically register exactly what the response was and then he would follow up and he would do that consistently every day you know and uh, to the point where he said he had he put his his little table with all of his like with a phone book and the phone and his roller deck and he would put that table so that he would block the door to his office so that he would be reminded every day that, that was going to be the first thing that he had to do and it seems that kind of persistency obviously pays off over time yeah the, but um that's only few people can do this all the people have something called fear of rejection of course and uh, if they've been rejected 10 times, 11th is very tough for them. And what I actually one of those as well, for me, it's, uh, it's very easy to, to fall off of the track 
because of fear of rejection. Uh, mainly, but this the fear of rejection when we know it exists, it can be um, um, when when you catch this fear of rejection, you feel it, you can feel it, and just push it away, and you know that's the fear of rejection. It's nothing wrong with you. you just go and calling again, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Go and contacting people again. I think you know it's it's one of these things where you know, especially in uh, in in sort of artistic professions, you know, no matter whether it's you know photography or um, or maybe acting, you know, drama or um, or music in particular, you know, rejection really just becomes part of your part of your everyday existence. You know, as a musician, I've been rejected uh, for auditions so many times. You know, that yeah. it just became it just became a normal thing. This you know, it's this it's this thing where you. You, you have to learn to manage your own expectations, you know. So, I think there was a point where, especially in music, you know, where my expectation was to be rejected, and that's fine then because you can you can live with that. And if that's your base expectation, and every time you get a callback, it's like, whoa, okay, cool. It's a little bit like you know, drinking too much fizzy drink or something. <laughs> you go, wow, somebody called back. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah. it's, you know, it didn't it didn't um, distract from the sort of day to day. Um, you know the day to day business of just you know carrying on you know marketing yourself um, you know uh, whether that was I remember whether it was cold calling or whether it was uh, you know whatever they call it cold emailing um, or whether it's following up on things it was just a, a matter of a matter of persistency you know I always I used to say to myself like if I don't contact anyone today I'm pretty much guaranteed not to be successful today it's really as simple as that. Yes, for example, if you are if you are a portrait photographer, yeah, do you think somebody wake up today and think, oh, I need today my uh, have my photo shoot. I want to buy photo shoot today. Not many people waking up like this, isn't it? Absolutely. We need to be reminded of the importance of the of the uh, photo shoot, uh, of the images created, you know, the memories and stuff like this. Then no one waking up today and thinking to 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 be photographed. Exactly, and you know what's very important is to uh, you know make sort of a, a value added proposition. Like for instance, for instance, take corporate headshots for example. You know, the, you know what does what does a corporate headshot actually do for your business? You know, other than it just being a pretty picture on your website. You know, but if you're a small business, for example, it can you know it can enhance the image of your business, it can make you look more professional, and therefore. You know, therefore, uh, people will have a different idea of what your what your business is about, um, and and all the rest of it, all the added value that comes with you know having professional photography on your website. Well, I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago about uh, similar value, but I go uh, a bit deeper, isn't it, on a family time? Because if you make more money, you can have more time with your family. You can be more successful. And uh, you can employ more people to do work for you, and you spend more time with your family and uh, going on holiday. It's not just uh, about business, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. All, yeah, behind the behind the business, it's uh, a person, isn't it? Will have most most of those entrepreneurs have uh, have families and don't have time. You talked a, a little bit about something that I found really quite interesting in one of your videos, and it was uh, it was sort of the selling without selling, uh, how to how to pitch to clients. What would be your advice to um, photographers starting out? I've been talking on this video with um, uh, one of the sale um, professional salesman, which is uh, selling without selling, uh, and he's. Um, um, his name is Ian Genius. Ian Genius <laughs> in selling. <laughs> He's very cool. You can follow him on uh, on uh, on LinkedIn. He's mostly on LinkedIn. Uh, so Ian Genius, and um, he helping people to compare the services easily for the clients. So. Uh, if uh, I will probably not explain this as good as him, so you might refer people to this video 
and uh, it's, it's a little bit more in depth, but it's basically the idea is the people cannot compare uh, what is uncomparable. So um, free time, when I say uh, the business owner will have more free time, how much more? How many free time I will get if I will have this uh, headshot on, um, on my website? So that's where your research coming, you know. So you calling exi existing clients and uh, asking, like uh, having the conversation. So, um, hi, John, hi, Slav, how are you? How, how is your business going? Oh, we're great, you know, we, we're thriving. So, um, how, what, what do you think? How is the headshot been part of it? And is make, is it make your business a little bit better? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it, it was better. So how better? Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. So how much more sales do you do? I don't know. So roughly how much sales would you do? Well, 20 sales per week. And uh, how much you've been doing uh, before? Um, the headshot been changed? Well, maybe 12. So you can make eight more sales per week after the headshot been uh, been done. Yes, roughly. Well, call it six, because it's not every week. Or even call it four. So how much per sale you're making? So, well, I'm making about 300 pounds per sale. So if for sale, by 300 pounds, so 1,200 pounds per week more. So how much more are you making per year? You know, so let's, we have 50, more, uh, 50 weeks. It's uh, we're taking some holidays off, maybe and stuff like this. So uh, even maybe forty weeks, isn't it? Working. So how much more you're making? You're making forty thousand odd on top. So what you can do with your forty thousand? And when you compare like one, two, three, or five clients like this, they first of all they actually they will realize how much more we're getting after the headshot because we never count we, we don't know and that way we might refer their friends to you as well listen i had this fantastic headshot photographer and we just counted you know i made 20 or forty thousand more per year when i changed the headshot obviously it's something more probably been changed as well maybe maybe uh, been uh, website been improved maybe some pitch been improved but Really, I made this year when we changed the headshot, I made so much more money. Do you want to have the headshot and do the same? You know, first of all, second of all, when you have the uh, 10 or 15 photographers, you can um, make a idea how much more people, what, what, how people benefiting of your work. Not necessarily the headshots, it's anything. And that way, you can compare, so I charging for headshot, for example, 300 pounds for free images. If you make 20,000 on top per year, what is return on investment? You know, and you know these figures between because you asked. And that's how you can explain the customers, future customers, how your headshot can help them to free the time or buy more holiday or buy more stuff for their family and fulfill um, them, uh, you know, the needs or could not be fulfilled without this headshot and why it's important. Well, people cannot relate like, oh, I will spend 300 pounds and I will get free time. What is time worth? I no idea. But I need to give real 300 pounds. And this, I don't know. So help them to figure out how, how to compare what we're getting. Otherwise, it's very hard to sell, isn't it? And when you figure this out, when uh, this figure out by counting with your existing clients, and when you're figuring this out, you know what to tell next client. You have proof, maths. Absolutely. Fantastic advice there uh, for, for anybody starting out in 
actually in any business, but especially in the photography business, of course. Um, Slav, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Where can people find your backdrops? Well, uh, everywhere on uh, social media, because I'm very proactive on social media, so I'm everywhere with very easy hashtag, uh, no hashtag, sorry, the um, uh, handles uh, at Hand Painted Backdrops UK. Uh, and uh, I have a website, uh, handpaintedbackdrops.co.uk. So very easy to find me. And it's as it says on the tin, I'm painting the hand-painted backdrops. <laughs> Fantastic. And of course, you find all of those links in the description of the YouTube video or uh, the podcast description, depending on where you listen um, or watch this, uh, this podcast on. And again, um, let me just remind all of our audio listeners, um, again, there's a fully fledged, um, fully technicolored version over on YouTube. If you want to see Slav's amazing backdrops in action, um, you know, head over to YouTube and check it out there. Um, that being said, um, of course, this is episode 141. Please get in touch um, with us. You can you can find us on Instagram, uh, even on TikTok these days. And of course, we have a, um, a Facebook group as well. All you've got to do is go to Facebook search for Camera Shake Podcast and you'll find us there. It'll be super awesome to hear from you there. Um, there we are. This is the end of 141.